We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks. And they did it. They fucking did it, folks. The 49ers hauled their ass over to SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, beat the Rams 27-24 in overtime, to secure their spot in the 21-22 playoffs. Man, what a game. If you didn't have already have heart issues, you do now. Because, man, that thing was intense from start to finish. It wasn't always pretty, especially in the first half, which instantly makes me think, of that meme we've all seen of that young man talking to the sideline reporter saying, Hey, they, they had us in the first half. I'm not going to lie. The 49ers were down 17 to zero with about 40 seconds left in the first half. And that is when their little run began with a, a well-orchestrated drive from Jimmy Garoppolo in the offense to get Robbie Gould, a field goal as time expired. And the 49ers came out in the second half and, and, and they made that half their own. They made that half their own. They went into the locker room at halftime, down 17-3, to finished the game 27-24. I'm, I'm, I'm a little speechless. Obviously, I've got plenty to say. But in terms of summing up my feelings about that game, it's tough. It was unbelievable. In terms of just pure football entertainment, it gets no better than what we just saw. I was just absolutely blown away by that game as a whole, how it unfolded, how it felt, the the atmosphere that you could tell was within that stadium. It, It was just an unbelievable game. The 49ers have now won six straight games against the Los Angeles Rams. Six straight games. Do you know how hard that is to do in the NFL against any team? 
that is rough. That is just the odds and the, you know, the luck playing into it. And with that victory over the Rams, Kyle Shanahan is now seven and three against Sean McVay. The 49ers have captured the sixth seed in the NFC playoffs. And they next week are going to Dallas to face the Cowboys at AT&T Stadium. It's it's we're right back to the 90s. The 49ers and the Cowboys are facing each other in the playoffs for the first time in how long? It's been a while. They've had some some solid regular season matchups over the last decade or so, but man, the 49ers are meeting the Cowboys in the playoffs. A very, very, very respectable Cowboys team. And man, that is exciting. Everything is exciting right now. And you know what's exciting? It's the fact that I get to jump on here and record this pod for you guys. And I know everybody listening to it is just going to be in a fantastic state of mind. You know, just knowing that I get to be positive, I won't be completely positive. There's still some stuff to take from that game that that we got to talk about, especially now that they're not done. You know, and that was kind of one of the things I kept thinking about through that game is, man, it would be so disappointing for the 49ers to be done here because you knew they were a good football team. And are are they a team capable of pushing all the way through the playoffs and getting back into the Super Bowl? Maybe not. Uh, Anything can happen. But in terms of the outlook on this team, of, of course, they're the underdog moving forward. But with the talent they had on this squad and the way the season unfolded, the ups, the downs, the injuries, it just would have been anticlimactic for them to to not make it into this dance. And they did. And they did. And not only that, but now they get to move forward and face the Dallas Cowboys. You know, and, and, and even though it's only one game, it's only one game difference. You know, you only technically secured one more game. You know, it, just the fact that they've been able to get, they get into the dance, they get into the race, they're in the playoffs, and it just may, it gives the entire season a different feel. Yeah, it, it's it's undeniable. It seems obvious. Like, of course, a season where you go to the playoffs, even if you're one and done, is going to feel different than a season where you didn't make the playoffs. But in terms of just the the feel of it, you know, it just it just changes everything. It, and it's and I'm really happy for this squad that they were able to do what they needed to do when the chips were down and and secure a win like that. Because like I said, man, being down 17 to 3 at halftime at one point, 17 to 0, you do not expect to win that game. And it is incredibly difficult to maintain your composure on the sideline without letting, you know, the inevitable doubts slip in. And you just never saw that from this squad. Sean McVay, Rams head coach Sean McVay. You, uh, this stat is unbelievable to me. Rams head coach Sean McVay was forty-five and zero when leading at halftime. Forty-five and zero. He is now forty-five and one, thanks to your twenty twenty-one. 2022 San Francisco 49ers and the bevy of playmakers that made their their made their intentions felt throughout this game. It was it was something else, something else. The 49ers overcame a 17-point deficit for the fourth time in the last 30 years, and that was the first time since they overcame that 20-point deficit to the Eagles in what I was Harbaugh's first season. 
You have that incredible, I believe that's the same game, right, where Justin Smith had that incredible fumble, forced fumble, either running down the receiver or the running back at the sideline, forcing the fumbles, recovering it right before it went out of bounds. I believe I'm thinking of the right game. Hopefully I am. I don't want to make a, a fool of myself, but man. Sean McVay was 45-0 and 0 if when leading going into halftime. That is such an impressive stat. And now he's 45-1. and 1. Shout out to you, Sean McVay. <laughs> Man, I mean, so let's let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Usually when I do these post-game reactions, I break it down, uh, you know, offense and defense. Just kind of go through my thoughts, my feelings. It's impossible to start on offense without talk, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, the first thing I want to make very clear, just based on whatever I'm going to say com- coming from here, where, where, wherever we go from here, I I just have to make it clear that I, despite the fact that he had ups and downs in this game, I really can't be too much more impressed with Jimmy Garoppolo. No, he did not play a great game. It was very okay. I tweeted after the game. Let me let me find it just so I can read it word for word. Jimmy Garoppolo was a huge reason the game was close, and he was a huge reason the 49ers won. That is the Jimmy Garoppolo experience. He's consistently inconsistent. That was that was what I cheated. T- tweeted, excuse me. And I think that's fair. It, it, it and it 100% was the experience you got. Jimmy Garoppolo threw two interceptions. Um, one when he was under pressure, about to take a big hit, and he just kind of punts it up with his arm straight into the Rams coverage. And and there was never any hope for the ball. It was an easy interception, and that was that. And you're just wondering what he was thinking. Now, you know, sometimes you can just take a sack and, and move on, but he kind of just tossed that one up. It, it either under, he either underthrew a receiver running deep by 20 yards far enough to be out of the camera or he overthrew I think it was George Kittle but by about 15 yards and then it you know it just landed harmlessly within the Rams uh secondary so there was that one and then later on he kind of threw into triple coverage to George Kittle it, the window was there George Kittle could have caught it but it was drastically underthrown and uh, Jalen Ramsey was able to tip the ball up and intercept it and and luckily for the 49ers he brought it out of the end zone um which you know Forced them to start that drive in bad field position. That was their last drive of the game. I believe they scored a touchdown, and then that gave the 49ers the time for their uh, their final drive of the game, which was to send the game into overtime. The 49ers got the ball with a minute and 27 seconds left, and then they scored with 26, 26 seconds still on the clock. So they marched all the way down the field, beginning at their own 12-yard line, marched all the way down the field in essentially a minute, one minute and one second. And that's what you get with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, how can you not be impressed with a five-play, 83-yard drive that culminated in a Jimmy Garoppolo touchdown to, I believe, Juwan Jennings? Like you, you have to be impressed with that. But at the same time, you know what that player did earlier kind of was the only reason it put him in that position in the first place. But it's to me, it's you take all that and you put it under the umbrella of playing that game with a torn ligament in his thumb. I believe I've got a, I've got a 
Yeah, I got a tweet for that, true. This was before the game. I said, Jimmy Garoppolo gutting it out through a torn ligament in his throwing hand to help send the 49ers to the playoff on what's likely his last regular season game with the team would be the stuff of legend. Do the damn thing, James. And and he did the damn thing. And, and no, it was not pretty. Sometimes it was pretty damn ugly. But when it came time, when there was no other choice, when you had to score or go home, Jimmy Garoppolo scored. And he led that offense. I'm trying to... Okay, here we go. The The schedule for playoffs just got announced. San Francisco will visit the Cowboys at AT&T Stadium on Sunday with kickoff set for 1.30 p.m. Pacific time. That is breaking news right here on the Striking Gold podcast, folks. So that is your date. Sunday, 1.30 p.m. The 12-5 Dallas Cowboys at the number three seed will face off against the 10-7 Cowboys as the number, or excuse me, 10 and 7 Niners as the number 60. <sighs> 49ers, 2 and 5 all time against the Cowboys in the postseason. Not a great stat, but obviously neither is uh, being 45 and 0 when leading in the first half. You know, and the other thing sitting right next to that news on my Twitter timeline is Clay Thompson playing his first game back with the Warriors in what I think is two years, essentially. Shout out to Clay, man. The Warriors are already on fire. And, uh, Getting Clay back has just got to take that unit over the top. So Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, in terms of a final stat line, he ended the game with 23 of 32. That's over 70%, 72%, 316 yards. Averaged almost nine, almost 10 yards, 9.9 yards per attempt. That's very respectable. Matthew Stafford only had 7.4. Um, took three sacks, scored through for one touchdown and uh, through two interceptions that we already talked about. So, again, as much as that was your typical Jimmy Garoppolo game, the ups and downs, uh, the positives and the negatives, it also, like I said, look at that under the umbrella that he was playing that game just like a week and a half removed from tearing a muscle in his thumb that he described felt like the webs of your, your hand were tearing apart. And that dude gutted it out and went out there and found a way to take the 49ers to the playoffs for the second time in three years. That has to be respected. Again, I don't care that he didn't play great. He didn't completely implode. He didn't lose the game for the 49ers because they won. But it's just, it's so, it's so, I have so much respect for him for doing that. Trey Lance looked decent. But Jimmy Garoppolo wanted to get back out there with his team, and Kyle Shanahan was willing to push his chips into Garoppolo's corner despite the injury because he felt like they gave him the best chance. Jimmy Garoppolo gave them the best chance to win. And it's hard to argue with that when they won against a solid, solid Rams team. Jimmy Garoppolo said after the game that he knew he was ready all week. Tuesday, they did like a game simulation, you know, where he threw a lot of passes in like game type environments. And he said it went well. He felt fine. And since then, he knew he was, uh, he knew he was going. He knew he was going. He said the thumb got better as the game went on. There was some pain management that he laughed about. You know, I could, I could probably, I'm probably assuming maybe a shot right into his thumb um, or some good pain medication. Either way, either way. 
he said it was a game he won't forget, and I don't blame him, man. Just going out there and, you know, another shout-out to Jimmy Garoppolo. He spread the ball around. Brandon Ayuk, six catches. Debo Samuel, four catches. Jawan Jennings, six catches. Jamichael Hasty, two catches. Trent Furfield, uh, one catch. George Kittle, five catches. You know, he was he was moving the ball around, getting it into the hands of the people that needed to have the ball. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, what a game for Jimmy Garoppolo. What a game for Jimmy Garoppolo. Through two horrible interceptions, bounce back. Bounce back. And right behind Jimmy Garoppolo is Debo Samuel, who was just, I mean, he just continues to establish himself as the man in for this team. Is there any way the 49ers can go away from Debo Samuel at this point? He just seems like he's ingrained himself in this offense like he has established himself as just so much of the identity he's like what Frank Gore was to the 49ers when he was out going at it he just like he you could not envision the offense without him and that to me is what I feel like Debo Samuel has done the 49ers uh, team sent out all these really really uh, interesting stats Samuel finished the regular season with 14 total touchdowns, six receiving, eight rushing. The most by a member of the 49ers since Terrell Owens had 14 in 2002. 13 receptions and one rushing. Samuel is the first non-quarterback in franchise history to have at least one passing touchdown and at least one rushing touchdown. (laughs) That's one of your random stats. Man. Debo freaking Samuel. Debo Samuel hauled in four receptions for 95 yards. He also added eight carries for 45 yards and a score on the ground and threw a 24-yard touchdown to wide receiver Juwan Jennings. His eight rushing touchdowns on the season are the most in a single season by a wide receiver in NFL history. Debo Samuel's 
eight rushing touchdowns are the most by a wide receiver in NFL history in the Super Bowl era. That is one hell of a claim for Debo Samuel, and that just tells you what he means to this offense. One of those rushing touchdowns was in this game. Right down the right sideline, about 20 yards out, made his way through, caught the edge, took it into the house, got hit right on the pylon, still managed to get the ball across. Man, it just was, you know, not to mention, I don't remember how far the reception was for, but he had the reception that put the 49ers in scoring range in the final drive to send the game into overtime. Jimmy Garoppolo kind of fit the ball right in between a window, between a high and a low defender. Debo Samuel caught it, took off up the field, kind of towards the middle. And Debo Samuel said after the game that he probably would have scored had he had his shirt tucked in because apparently a defender grabbed his shirt. So, But, man, I, you just cannot be more impressed with Debo Samuel. Had a couple drops, had a couple drops. It wasn't perfect, but you you can't just can't complain about a game like that. Right behind him, Jawan Jennings just comes out of nowhere. I wish I had it in front of me how many catches he had on third down. But, man, Jawan Jennings, the 49ers' seventh-round pick, I believe two years ago, six catches, 94 yards, and two touchdowns. One of them thrown by Debo Samuel, one of them thrown by Jimmy Garoppolo to send the game into overtime. That's his first multiple-touchdown game of his career. The dude just stepped up in big moments all game. I think he had at least three of those catches were for first downs, and then two more were for touchdowns. I mean, man. And you we already know that dude blocks his ass off. And then for him to have such a, a bona fide impact in the passing game like that as a as a target was just so encouraging to watch. Juwan Jennings averaging averaged 16 yards a catch. Debo Samuel averaged 24 yards a catch, and Brandon Ayuk. Averaged 18 yards a catch. Brandon Ayuk had six catches for 107 yards. His first 100-yard performance this season, third of his career. And it's just everybody was getting love from Garoppolo. You could tell that Garoppolo, especially with his his finger, knew his only chance was to get the ball into the get the ball to the people that mattered, the playmakers. Do the damn thing. And by the way, Debo Samuel finished with one attempt, one completion for a 100% completion percentage for 24 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, an absolutely perfect 158.3 quarterback rating. Congratulations, Debo Samuel, who could now do everything. Man, Jimmy Garoppolo is fourth of all time among 49ers quarterbacks in Total 300-yard games. He has 10. Jeff Garcia had 14. And then you've got Joe Montana and Steve Young sitting at 35 and 28 all by themselves. But, man, most 300-yard passing games in a single season in franchise history. Jimmy Garoppolo is tied for third with Steve Young with five. Jeff Garcia had six. Steve Young had seven. So Steve Young in 1994 was the one that tied Jimmy Garoppolo. Just all these random stats the 49ers send out. I love it. Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell, 85 yards on 21 carries. The most rookie rushing yards in franchise history. And the most since Carlos Hyde in 2016. I mean, you could just, man, you could just feel it in, in the stats. Like how much 
this team just wanted it. And that's what my, my I watched the game um, with my brother, his wife, my girlfriend, and my parents. And you could, my dad kept saying over and over, you can tell this 49ers team just wants it. And he was saying that all the way at the time when they were down 17 to zero. You could just tell by the way the drives were going, the way players were playing, that this 49ers team wanted it. And they did. And they took it, man. They took it. And Elijah Mitchell has that Frank Gore characteristic where the play looks like it's been blocked up for two yards and he gets five to seven. And he did it all game. Average four yards a carry, which is enough. It's impressive. No Rams running back averaged more than two yards a carry. They made, you know, big thing was made of Cam Akers coming back um, after tearing his Achilles in the in the uh, in the off season, and he had five carries for point six yards. Sony Michelle twenty one carries for forty three yards, average two yards a carry. Excuse me, on that Cam Akers stat. He had five carries for three yards, so he averaged .6 a carry. And maybe that maybe that takes us – maybe that ta- – I'm going to check my notes one more time before I do this, but maybe that takes us to the defense. Because, man, as much as going down 17-0 to sucks and, you know, the, they gave up 24 points, which is not a lot, but it's also not a little, but, man, did they come to play. Did they come to play? And it, and it wasn't it wasn't consistent. It wasn't pretty. It was just this constant nagging pressure, especially in the second half. For the for the Rams in the fir- first half, excuse me, the Rams in the first half, they started with a field goal, then they had two consecutive touchdowns and finished with a punt. So out three out of the four drives in the first half, the Rams scored points. That's where their 17-0 came from, a field goal and two touchdowns. But then you look at the second half. The Rams drives in the second half. Punt, interception, punt, touchdown, punt, end of game, and then their one drive in overtime ended at an interception. So the 49ers defense was taking it in the chin in the first half and then absolutely dominated in the second half with two interceptions to one touchdown. 49ers did the same. I mean, obviously it had to go down like that. If you're down 17 to zero going into halftime, you know, the 49ers dominated on both sides of the ball because they came back to win it. But I mean, you're just looking at it. The 49ers offense in the first half, punt, punt, interception, field goal. That's rough. But then they come right out in the second half, touchdown, touchdown, punt, interception, punt, touchdown, field goal. It's like the inverse of the Rams. They played two different teams in the first half and the second half. But man, you can't you can't start on defense without talking about Ambry Thomas. I mean, and, and he wasn't perfect all game. He got Moss for a touchdown by Rams tight end Tyler Higby in the first half. You know, he it was he he was he seemed like he was on the receiving end for some of those 50-50 balls. But again, just like Jimmy Garoppolo, when you had no other choice but to make a play, and with Ambry Thomas, the play he made, if that would have gone differently, the ball took a flight path he wasn't expecting, goes over his head, Odell Beckham was a couple yards behind him, catches it, takes it into the sco- for the score, 49ers lose. But in his defense, it looked like Ambry Thomas was in solid position, 
turned around to find the ball, realized it was drastically underthrown by Matthew Stafford, slowed up, went up to get it, cradled it, caught it with the stomach, came down, his left butt cheek hit inbounds before his wrist came down. And even his wrist, I believe, was inbounds, so it didn't really matter. But Ambry Thomas with the game-sealing interception. I kind of avoided patting myself on the back last week after Ambry Thomas had a decent game and had that near pick six against the Texans. Well, I'm going to pat myself on the back because you guys go back four or five weeks when Ambry Thomas was getting beat up bad. And I said, look, he's your rookie third round pick. He sat out the last his last season of college football. You're going to have to leave him out there and allow him to improve. And it, it wasn't pretty, but you could see the small steps forward. You could see it. He went from getting moss for touchdowns to giving up touch. Give, or, 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 you wouldn't even call it moss. He went from giving up scores and big plays where the receiver had plenty of separation. Then he went to giving up big plays where he was in position and just couldn't get his, his hands in the ball. And then he started breaking up passes. And then he started, you know, he had that near pick sip, six against the Texans. And again, today's game wasn't flawless by any means for Embry Thomas, but he got to call game. He got to call ball game with a game-sealing, playoff-clinching interception. You cannot help but feel happy for the guy. That is unbelievable. You know, that storyline, that progression for Embry Thomas. Forced into the starting lineup by injuries, took his lumps as he began, and slowly improved, slowly improved, and sends his team to the playoffs. Shout out to Ambry Thomas, who said his time being inactive, his time being benched, really motivated him. And shout out to him. That Every player has a choice on how they react to adversity like that, how they react to being benched, how they react to being inactive. You can say the world's against you, or you can turn it on yourself and say, okay, I'm going to get better. And it looks like Amory Thomas said, I'm going to get better. And he did. He did. You can see the steady improvement. If you watch Amory Thomas's reps going back, you know, when he officially came into the starting lineup, whatever it is, six weeks, five weeks, you will see the improvement. It was clear. And, you know, you just keep working. You just keep working. And eventually it will pay off for you. And it paid for it paid off for Amory Thomas in spades with the opportunity to send his team to the playoffs. And that's a special moment. That's a special moment. Right behind Ambry Thomas, and this is kind of a group shout-out, was the 49ers' defensive line. They would not let Matthew Stafford breathe all afternoon. Even when they were scoring points, some of those those third-down throws were just on the money, and the defensive front was still getting there. They were pressuring. They were pressuring. I think they had five total sacks. Eric Armstead with two and a half. Two and a half. Let's count up these quarterback hits. One, two, five, seven, eight, nine, t- 12, 13. Arden Key with three quarterback hits. And a half a sack along with Nick Bosa. Fred Warner got a half to himself as well. The defensive front just kept coming. And again, it, it wasn't like they were always the reason the drive ended. The Rams were doing a hell of a job converting on third down. Let's come over here and look at that. Third down. Yeah, see, on third down, the Rams were 10 of 17. That's 60%. 
That's really high. And then you've got the 49ers right next to them on third down. 9 of 14, 64%. Though both of those are well above what you would expect from, from an offense, even when they're playing well. You just don't expect them to get that high. Dre Greenlaw, who led the team with 12 tackles. He also had a quarterback hit. Had a rough return, though. I know the moment y'all out there heard the name Dre Greenlaw, you probably cringed just a little bit. In the first half, he had a a helmet-to-helmet hit on a defenseless receiver. Um, That was 15 yards. In the second half, he had a slam that he probably should have been flagged for after he made a tackle. And it wasn't like a little thing. He picked the dude up and slammed him, basically a side slam. And then, to make things worse, I believe it was on the Rams' drive to take the lead, to take a one-score lead in the fourth quarter. Dre Greenlaw runs up to a player that's already being tackled and grabs his face mask and rips him down. The, the player already had a pile on him. He wasn't going anywhere. And, and I think I just said Avery Thomas, but I meant Dre Greenlaw. Grabbed his face mask, ripped him down, and that's a free 15 yards. On a player who was already tackled, it was just an absolutely horrible play. But he was productive. He was around the ball. He was finding the ball. Dante Johnson had nine tackles of his own. Fred Warner, eight tackles, half a sack, quarterback hit, tackle for lost. Eric Armstead, seven total tackles, two and a half sacks, three quarterback hits, two tackles for loss. And that defense was just relentless. Like like we said, they were not good on third down. Cooper Cup had his way with this offense, and, and with the season he had, everybody kind of expected it. Cooper Cup caught seven passes on seven targets, for 118 yards and a touchdown, got Jimmy Ward a couple times. Jimmy Ward has gotten the best of Cooper Cup in the past. Cooper Cup won this one. In terms of your, you know, your matchups. But everybody knew what Cooper Cup was going to do. Everybody knew that. He just and he did it last game. Even when the 49ers beat the Rams, I think 31 to 10, Cooper Cup still had over 100 yards. So we knew that was going to happen. But the 49ers defense just kept coming. Even to send the game into overtime, the Rams got the ball back with the game tied uh, with about 30 seconds left. And they, their first play took them all the way to, I believe, their own almost the, their own 40-yard line. So they needed still needed about 30 or 40 yards to get into field goal range to win the game. But, you know, it, we've seen it happen. I mean, that was Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Evans, but we've seen that shit happen. And Eric Armstead came along and sacked Matt Stafford on second down, and they elected to take it to overtime. So the defensive line was was relentless. And then I would say my last shout-out on defense has got to go to the 49ers faithful. That place was packed with 49ers fans, exactly the same as it was when the Rams were playing in, what, the Coliseum, I think it was? The, the college stadium there for a while while they were building the new stadium? That place was packed. Debo Samuel said in his press conference that he thought the Rams were pumping in crowds noise because there were no Rams fans there. It, it was, it sounded like from the beat writers that were on site that it was about 70, 30, 49ers fans, maybe more, which is unbelievable. That is, that is so impressive that a team, I mean, yes, it's still in California, but the drive from the Bay area to Los Angeles is about seven to eight hours, seven hours. So it's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a simple drive, but at the same time, like for this, this team to travel like that, you cannot help but love it. 
And on and the reason I mention that on defense is because there's there's no no denying what the impact of a home team type atmosphere can do for a, for a defense and against an offense. Mike McGlinchey, who's out for the season, the 49ers starting right tackle, he tweeted during the game that the Rams had to go to a silent count because the crowd at their stadium was too loud to operate an offense. That is what I'm fucking talking about. That's impressive right there. For a home squad to show up like that with everything on the line. Rams fans had every reason to go to that game. It's a division map matchup to send the 49ers home packing and improve their playoff seating. And the 49ers fans showed up. You can you you just can't help but love that. You can't help but love that. That's special. That's that's a you know, that's a just a, a not a a gift it's a it's a privilege to have a fan base travel like that and you bet your ass next week against the Dallas Cowboys in Texas for a playoff game i would be willing to bet and i don't bet but i'd be willing to bet that that crowd is going to be 50-50 49ers fans and it's so easy to see because it's red on white and blue and it is so easy to see 49ers fans. Everybody remembers the last time the 49ers played the Cowboys at AT&T Stadium. It was like 70-30 49ers fans. Get on my Twitter right now. You will find, let me find it here. You will find Cowboys Nation. I believe that's their SB Nation Twitter, right? No, InsideTheStar.com. Okay, a little bit of a plug for you. You're welcome. Had already tweeted in all capital letters, to their 152,000 followers, please do not sell playoff tickets to 49ers fans. Please do not sell 49ers tickets to 49ers fans. And of course, I had to quote tweet that with the screenshot from the last time the 49ers were in AT&T Stadium, and it is a sea of red. And even some of the white jerseys, which you could mistake for Cowboys jerseys, are red numbers. <laughs> I mean, I do think the 49ers fans are going to be able to produce the same kind of atmosphere. Are they going to have them outnumbered like that? I don't know. I, I don't think so. But damn. Damn. Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa finished the season with 15 and a half sacks. The most by a 49ers player since Alden Smith's 19 and a half in 2012 the fifth most by a member of the 49ers in a single season, six sacks since sacks became an official stat in 1982. He's in the same ballpark as Charles Haley, Tim Harris, Fred Dean, Alden Smith. Man, that's some great company. That's some great company. Eric Armstead, seven tackles. Two and a half sacks on the day. He now has six sacks on the season, 28 and a half in his career. And that's his fifth career game with one and a half or more sacks. Eric Armstead kind of took it in the chin throughout the season. I felt like he, you know, with by the nature of the DeForest Buckner trade, kind of put an unfair spotlight on Eric Armstead as if for some reason he wasn't playing up to his potential. And I disagree. I think Eric Armstead's been solid all season. He's an, he's absolutely dominant against the run. 
and he makes waves in the pass game. We saw it today. He finished the season with a 77.5 grade from pro football focus, which they consider good. That's green from them. You know, Eric Armstead has, has, has had a solid season. And just for curiosity's sake, and, and you don't have to take pro football focus at, at their word. DeForest Bunker finished with a 72.3. Also green, but considerably less than DeForest Buck or than Eric Armstead's season. Now, again, that's just pro football focus. I'm not making any any claims. You know, DeForest Buckner demands a lot more attention than Eric Armstead is, but I still believe that a lot of fans out there need to put some respect on Eric Armstead's name and what he's been able to do with the 49ers after he has been he had been quickly tagged with the injury prone after I believe he had a decent rookie season and then he had two seasons after that where he had season-ending injuries. I believe one was foot, one was hand. I I can't remember, don't quote me on that. And then since then he's played his ass off and he has earned what the 49ers are paying him, and he has earned this spot on this defense. And I, I understand that the DeForest Buckner trade still doesn't sit well with some fans, but I do believe that Eric Armstead is a very solid defensive lineman. He's an excellent complement to Nick Bosa and the 49ers pass rush because he can hold his own down there. He can hold his own down there. And then you've got Arden Key, who just has come into his own I think he has like six sacks over the back half of the season, you know, more than he's ever had in his career, you know, under 49ers defensive line coach, Chris Kosurik. And, you know, the, the defensive front just was able to constantly harass Matthew Stafford all game. And it made all the difference in the world, because even when you're not getting to the quarterback, if you've been getting to the quarterback, he's thinking about it. He's looking for it. Where are they coming from this time? I've got Nick Bosa over here. I've got Samson Ebukam over here. I've got Arden Key right here. I've got Eric Armstead right here. I've got DJ Jones coming at me. I've got Contavia Street who made some big plays. Like once you start getting after a quarterback, even on the plays where you're not getting after him, they're stinking, still thinking about it. And there were plenty of close-up shots of Matthew Stafford where he looked just a little unsure of what was going on around him. And that is all thanks to a defensive front that just kept coming, kept going, kept pushing. And it was uh, it was impressive to see. They didn't always get there, but there was almost always a pocket collapsing in around Matthew Stafford, and that makes all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. Trying to see if there's anything else. I don't want to make, I don't want to leave anything out. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to hit on any more negatives that I haven't already hit on, but God damn folks, it feels good to just be on here. It feels good to be on here podcasting to you guys in such a way where you know it's it's nothing but positivity i know y'all 49ers fans that have stuck with this podcast for years are sitting on the other side of these speakers in a good mood loving the fact that the 49ers just beat the Rams for the sixth time in overtime to punch their tickets to the playoffs and anything that happens after here is a bonus because the team put it all on the line and came out victorious and you just can't help but be excited of course you want to see the team push through the playoffs, especially against their their all-time franchise rival in the Dallas Cowboys. But no matter what happens from here, you have to be happy with what this team was able to accomplish. A 10-7 re- record, a playoff berth, 
We got to see a little bit of Trey Lance. We got to see a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo. And who knows what it, where, what's happening from him moving forward. Um, he, he likely just played his last regular season game for the 49ers. And it was it was one hell of a game to finish on if that is it for Jimmy Garoppolo because you can't help but appreciate the uh, you know the emotional roller coaster that he provided us all with. But man, what a season for the 49ers! What a season for the 49ers! That's all you know. That it's just that's kind of what you have to leave it as, man. You can you could take it for what you want. I I prefer. Could they have been better? Of course. Did they lose games that they should have won? Of course. But I prefer in this case to be the uh, the glass half full guy and just admire, uh, you know, the ups and the downs and what it was for and finishing on such an exciting note and getting your ass into the playoffs because once you get into the playoffs, you never know what's going to happen. And the you know the the fun fact is I get to jump on here later this week and break down what we sh- what we might be seeing when the when the red and gold face the uh, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, in the first round of the playoffs. That's ex- and it's just exciting. It's exciting. You know, Cowboys are good. It should be one hell of a matchup. Cowboys are good and they are explosive, explosive. But we'll get into that another time. Hey. I fucking appreciate you guys. I hope that you are getting this on Monday morning and you're just smiling, going about your Monday in a great mood. Hopefully you've got coworkers that are NFL fans, maybe even Rams fans, maybe even Cowboy fans that you can start that shit talk with. You know, enjoy it. Enjoy this win. Enjoy this season. It's been one hell of a ride. And like I said, now moving forward, everything's a bonus. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to the Striking Gold podcast and making it what it is. Couldn't do it without you. Make sure you're out there uh, downloading the podcast, you know, listening to it, commenting, whatever, rating, reviewing, whatever you can do on your end to support the podcast. I appreciate it. And uh, it means the world. So thank you again for, uh, for your support of Striking Gold. I'm Rob. This is your podcast. We're signing off. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.